Welcome to Catholic Family Matters with your hosts, Paul Kaczynski and Betsy Lashley. A podcast where we share a little bit about our lives of faith in an effort to encourage families to live courageously Catholic lives, to love Jesus more, and to learn to see the divine in the everyday events of our family life. So come along with us to find encouragement, hope, and maybe a little laughter along the way. Because Family Matters. Welcome to Catholic Family Matters, episode 43. Young people are basically hemorrhaging from the Catholic Church at an alarming rate. Today on CFM, we discuss who they are, why they are leaving, and what to do about it. How about you spare me the chit-chat? I'm going to take your... Uh, chit-chat. In the... Chitty-chitty-chat-chat. Chat-chat-chat. In the... Chit-chat. Hi, Paul. How are hey, you? Betsy. I'm good. How are you? Um, that did not sound... That was rather lackluster. Oh, it was. Hey, silly. Betsy! That's better. That's better. Because not only are we on episode 43, but we are almost at our like one-year anniversary. I know, Because right? we have work camp starting this... Yep. Coming up this yep. week. And that was... Where the brainchild, where the little nugget of wisdom All these began, light bulbs, start and you flashing. said, "Hey, would you like to do a podcast?" Anyway, so it's like our anniversary. I know, right? Work camp anniversary. So, what's been going on? So, uh, this past weekend, um, we. So, my, my, I think I mentioned before that my daughter is in a um, lacrosse summer camp yes. down in Birmingham. Yes. So um, they play three tournaments throughout the summer and they had their first tournament this past weekend up in North Carolina. So, yeah. So it was in, um, I keep wanting to say Wake Forest. It's not Wake Forest. That's where the, it's in Winston-Salem, okay. which has Wake Forest University. Oh, in okay. It, so. Gotcha. Um, so anyway, the, so um, they went and played there and it was hot and the sun was out the whole time. You can probably, I'm shedding all over your house. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> that's disgusting. <laughs> I've, uh, I've, I've my you're talking inner, about sunburn too, inner, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. My inner lizard is going on. I'm shedding okay, my skin here. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, thank yeah, yeah, you. Yeah. Um, so, um, so yeah, so, um, one up, had a good time. Uh, the team, her team ended up, they have an A, a team and a B team and she's on the B team and, and they ended up zero, three and one. So no wins, three losses and one tie. Boohoo. The A team ended up four and so. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> the, it's nice little, to be the B team difference. for that A team. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, they had, they had a good time and, and, um, you know, she's making some new friends through this. So it's, it's good. all, it's all good. So, good. Yeah. And, and that's Mariana. I'm going to see her next week, right at work camp. She will be at work camp. Yep. Excellent. Excellent. It's always nice to talk to the lone Kaczynski female, but besides <laughs> Jarsha, but anyway, Okay, well, very good. Well, as you know, we didn't record last week because yes. I was in the great state of Texas, San Antonio to be exact. Oh, okay. Um, met my girlfriends who I used to live in Texas, so I met with them. We had a girls awesome. weekend out at a resort near Hunt, Texas, which is on the Guadalupe River. And um, it was great. Great uh, hanging out with my friends. Great eating. Uh, oh, Tex-Mex had fantastic Tex-Mex <laughs> twice. Uh, went, Only twice? Well, we actually ate most of the time in our little condo thing, so uh, that okay, was why. Okay. But in San Antonio, we went down, down to the downtown to the Blanco Cafe yep. and ate puffy tacos. <laughs> Super good. And then we went to this little, uh, the Oblates have like a shrine there. It's just like the grotto um, of Lourdes, uh, oh, okay, where okay. Bernadette of Subaru had the vision of... Our Lady of Lords. So they have a replication of that, okay. or whatever you call that. So while we were there, we got some holy water. We went to adoration a little bit, and then I I gave I bought each of my um, girlfriends a a picture of uh, our Mother of Perpetual Help, the icon okay. of okay. that, and and that was really cool. Anyway, so that was just a fun thing. And then on the last day, we also went to Tex-Mex on the Guadalupe River. And that was fun too. But in between, we just had some pool time. We talked a lot and we did girl stuff. So that was awesome. And, but I'm glad to be back. Glad to be recording with you. Episode number 43. So I think you have some interesting statistics to share with us. Yes, I do. I'm dying to get this out. Yes, I do. So um, I I have um, got our podcast. some some other tracking uh, for our podcast that um, it, it sees who who's downloading our our podcast and anyway 
Um, we have, uh, let me bring it back to this other, other page here to get the data right. We are under the, um, under Christianity right now, we are the number seven podcast in Slovenia. Oh my gosh. That we, is amazing. We, we've dropped number three spots. Seven. We used to be number four. But we're still in the top 10 oh in gosh. Slovenia. Just Let's just take for, a moment and make a huge shout out to everyone <laughs> listening in Slovenia. You guys rock. I will be in the Czech Republic in two weeks. Ooh. So if you want to come see me, like seriously, come on out. <laughs> find me. I'll be in Prague. I really don't know where, but <laughs> my people. <laughs> anyway, I have no idea if Slovenia is near the Czech Republic, but I'm assuming that it is. And I'm very embarrassed to say that I don't know European <laughs> geography quite as well. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come Holy Spirit, teach us to pray. We thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for all of the blessings that you've given us to be able to be here today to record this podcast. We ask you to give us your grace and your peace and to fill our hearts with your goodness. Give us wisdom and knowledge and guide our words and anoint our tongues. We ask all this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Amen. and the Son, Son and the Holy, holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Have you found Jesus yet? No. I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him, so... All right, so what are we talking about today? Okay, so I have... Um, this is a topic that I, I've, I've always really liked to talk about because I work with young adults. Mm -hmm. And several years ago, St. Mary's Press did a study, uh, a research study. It was called Going, Going, Gone, The Dynamics of Disaffiliation in Young Catholics. And they put out a report that told everyone about the fact, this, this idea of disaffiliation, which is when it, oftentimes we fill out brochures and they ask you what religion you identify as. And you pick whatever you are, Catholic, Christian, Baptist, whatever. And there has been a growing population of people marking the box none under religion right? to infer that they have really no, no religious affiliation. affiliation. Right. So this is what we mean when we talk about disaffiliated young Catholics. And so this study uh, shows us that when asked when they no longer identified themselves as Catholics, 74% of young adults sampled said between the age of 10 and 20, with the median age being 13 years old. So basically what that says is at about the age of 13, young people were actually identifying as, no longer identifying as Catholic. They oh, were wow. saying, yeah, not so much. Wow. Um, of those who have left, roughly 36% became nuns, and that's nuns in quote, N-O-N-E-S, and 46% joined another religion, and an additional 14% of the young adults report being atheists or agnostics, and there are an estimated 20 million former Catholics, 5.4 million between 15 and 24 years of old Man. of age. So, I mean, the, the, and that is a lot of numbers. I apologize for that just a little bit, but there are a couple highlights in there. Um, but those numbers are strikingly high. 36% uh, right. becoming nuns, 46 joining other religions, and... 14% actually going as far to say that they're atheists, right. not believing yeah. in God at all, or agnostics doubting the existence of God. So those are some alarming statistics, which is why um, St. Mary's did this research. And, and this was several years ago. I think it might have been 2017 was the date of this study. And since then, um, a lot of people have talked about this and tried to... Um, are you looking for the date so that can be real? I think it was 2018, but... Oh, well, I'm close enough on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think uh, Bishop Barron references it, too. Yeah, I don't have the date written down. Yeah. 
Okay, so uh, so in order to do this podcast, uh, we uh, we re- you and I referred to Bishop Barron, who speaks about this topic all quite the a bit. time. Yep. Yeah, yep. disaffiliated young Catholics. So the video that we are referencing today is called "Stay with Us: Evangelizing the Disaffiliated," and uh, so this we are going to talk a little bit about what Bishop Barron had to say, and specifically, he covered kind of three topics, and they are who are these people that are leaving the church. Why are they leaving? And most importantly, he discussed, what can we do? What can we do? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we're going to talk about today. All right. All right. So let's begin at the beginning. All right. Well, so who, who are these people that are leaving? You kind of, you kind of touched on that with the statistics, but do you have any more details on who, who is actually leaving? Yeah. Yeah. I gave you several statistics, but basically the way Bishop Barron outlined this is that in the 1970s, 3% of people identified with no religious identity, 3% of people were nuns. And if you look forward today to all the people in the world, that number has gone up to 26%, which is a, it may seem like a low number, but that's an alarming increase. Right. Um, since 3%. So, and then he breaks it down just a little bit further and he looks at, um, instead of just all people, he looks at people under the age of 30 and that number is 40%. Wow. 40% of people under the age of 30 are identifying with no religion. And then he takes it one step further. And he looks at Catholic young people under the age of 30. And that number is 50%. Wow. Which is half of the young people who were raised Catholic or in Catholic families or baptized Catholic are identifying as none. So we're losing one one out of every two kids that 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 goes into adulthood. Exactly. Wow. Isn't that a, that's alarming. That is very alarming. So So that's where Bishop Barron starts. That's he starts with the who. Um mm-hmm. so we're really talking about young people under the age of 30. Right. Um all over the country. So he then he goes into the second question is why are they leaving? And this is this is where it really gets interesting. So what what would you think the reason that they're leaving are? Did you have one? You you said you had several opinions about yeah, this video. Yeah, and and I like so and, and uh, get this out of the way. We'll we'll post both of these, the article and the video, in the show notes. But um, I like the way Bishop Barron brings this up because he he mentions that you know there's a you know everybody has an opinion about why people are leaving the the faith, whether you know it's a Catholic faith or the Christian faith in general. Um, and, but he, he said that he has, he has pulled data out of different, um, surveys that were done. So there, he's, he's got actual empirical data of why people are leaving. And I don't know, I'll throw this out there. A lot, a lot of, um, a lot of my thoughts on it, which weren't necessarily based on what, uh, Bishop Barron had, um, the, the data that he pulled from these surveys was that, um, it, to me, it seemed like there was a lack of catechesis at some point. There was a there was a a, a, a gap, sort of a chasm of, of oh, catechesis. Oh, and that's what you would ascribe right. this to right. is that lack of catechesis right. at a right. certain like between so, some the generations 80s and yeah. the 90s. or even earlier than that, like sixties to seventies um, to eighties. So somewhere in there, there was a so, there was a gap in catechesis and. Okay. I, I think he kind of does hit on that Such just a, a yeah, little bit yeah. um, when he talks about the intellectual part, but yeah. I, don't, I don't want to jump ahead. Right. You had also referred to this other study that we, or I mean this other article. Um, this one article that I found is that you're going to reference is called Going, Going, Gone, The Dynamics of Disaffiliation in Young Catholics. And this one is by Bob McCarty, who is very active and may have even been the president or the director or of the National Catholic Youth Federation of Youth Ministry. Okay. Um, so I've seen, I've actually seen Bob McCarty and heard him talk more than once, but um, he, he also talks about this very important topic. And the one thing that he refers to in this article too, is that disaffiliation is not like a singular event that occurs and you go, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm out. Right. It's actually it's a dynamic process that yeah. happens over time yeah. where people back away from the faith. Yep. Um, and he, in this article makes the fantastic point that you and I, as youth ministers, I think it's very important. He says, 
we need to move from recruitment in religious education or in, in what we do to accompaniment. And that is a big theme in youth ministry, mm-hmm. like walking beside, yeah, yep. walking beside our young people yep. as they walk through the parts of their life, um, rather than just recruitment, dragging them along with us as we go. Um, and I think that's a great distinction uh, to make. And he make he furthermore makes the great point that the young people are a barometer for the um, they're they're a barometer and a mirror for the religious community at large, at large right. in our yeah. in our world. So we need to addre- take a look at this. We need to think about it, and we need to address it. I wish you and I could solve it, but I don't think we're going to do that. <laughs> I don't think we're going to do that today. But if you were unaware of this, uh, and you're, or you were wondering, because there's probably a lot of people like us listening to this podcast who maybe have young, their children are not attending the Catholic church anymore right. and they're not quite sure why what's happened so often in our lives, these things happen and we don't always understand that this is right. a global problem. Right. So anyway, okay. I liked that a lot and I wanted to refer to that article and I know you'll post it so people can read it. Yeah. Sorry. I thought you were, I thought those statistics were pulled out of that article earlier, but um, yeah, they, yeah. The first one, the, yeah. some of the first ones were, they yeah. were that article. So okay. I wanted to just make sure that, there were some other really good things in that article. Too, yes, so. yes, yes. Okay, so the second question that Bishop Barron asks yeah. is why? why? And you kind of had your yeah. uh, thought process, which is probably a valid one, and I think yeah. a lot of people have had that. But he brought up some really three or four points here that well, that were so. Before we get into that, before we get into that, did, was there any anything like? Did you have some preconceived notions as to why? people were leaving. I think I probably would have leaned towards where you are. That's always what we've heard. Yeah. Like that has been a common theme among people like us. Well, there was that generational gap where they changed from the Baltimore catechism right. to the or, current yeah, catechism Vatican II era. Vat- Vatican yeah. II yeah. era and um I I have often thought that when I was growing up, there was never a question of what religion I would be none whatsoever. It was not discussed. It was not asked. You did what your parents did. And furthermore, I thought the whole entire world was Catholic. That might've been, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's good or bad. Yeah. That was my frame of reference. Uh, but nowadays really parents sometimes are giving their kids a lot more choice than I had when I was young. Yeah. Um, they give them the choice of where they want to go to school. They're allowing their kids to make some pretty significant decisions and even sometimes in regards to religion. Well, I want you to grow up and then figure out for yourself what religion you want to be. And that that's not uncommon in our day and age. And that's a, that is a far cry from where I was. So I think that some of those things, I think young people need some tradition. They need to be raised in a certain way. We raise our young people with discipline for obvious reasons so that they will grow up to be disciplined young people. Yeah. Well, if we grow them without religion, I don't know how we expect them to grow up and be good spiritual beings. Right. And not confused yeah. like, like, like we see. Um, I don't know, not to get off on another tangent, but I, um, I, it's interesting that like you say you grew up thinking that, you know, what else is there? you know, besides yeah. being Catholic, um, growing up, we actually, my, um, bless her heart. My mom tried and tried and tried to get us to go to church and she got us, you know, she was able to get us to go. She even like taught Sunday school and, and, um, <clears throat> but I remember my older sister fighting her tooth and nail like every Sunday. And then, you know, and then of course I would join in and then my little sister would join in and it got to the point where my mom just, she gave up. And oh. so we stopped. How, going. how old were you? Like, I was, were you in your teens? I was, or? yeah, I was in, well, I was in seventh grade because I remember it was like, like the next year I would have been confirmed. And so like, I didn't get confirmed until I was an adult. Yeah. Right after Josh and I got married and, um, <clears throat> right before our first son was born. Um, well, and God bless your mom. I mean, those yeah, are very yeah, real things yeah. that happen. And as a parent, it is very yeah. hard to deal with them. And you do typically the best that you can yep. at that time. Yep. Uh, and I don't, I don't know why we went. It was just always assumed that we would go. Um, right. but I, a lie of several brothers and sisters that are not, that do not continue to be Catholic yeah. to this day. 
So, yeah. and so we've kind of, Josh and I kind of have that mentality with our kids now. It's like, you know, we're, we're going even, you know, Michael, he's 21 years old, but he's still in our house. You know, you're, you're going to church and he yeah. doesn't go with us. He goes to, he ends up going to a later mass at St. John's, but you know, he, he goes, when we go to confession, you know, we'll, we'll drag him along with us. And yeah. And yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Parenting. It's not for lightweights, man. Right. You, you gotta be prepared. I, and, and I don't want to judge your mom. I don't want to judge right, any right, of those parents right. out there because you have it's, to make your tough. decisions. But I think when you decide as a young married couple or as a young, young parents of young children, you got to decide what is most important. Right. And that does come out in all of the things that you do. And boy, it can it's, be very, very challenging. Yep. It would be nice if all kids were the same and they did all the things that we thought they would do. But I know, right? You don't often. <sighs> okay, so right. what does Bishop Barron say? He actually says the number one reason that um, overwhelmingly, he said, that the people are leaving is because of a lack of belief in religious teachings. Right. Now, I think this is different from a like a generational gap that we discussed it's a little different. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is a, you've been taught the teachings, but you don't believe them. Um, well, but I think your I think your premise could also fit in yeah, there as well. Yeah. Either you don't believe the religious teachings or maybe you don't know them well enough. That well, Yeah. Right. Because concurrently, aren't we seeing a Pew study in our day and age right now where a lot of the people, an alarmingly high number over 30%, perhaps don't actually believe in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. And they're sitting in the pews as a Catholic and identifying as a Catholic, and they don't know that premise and, of our faith. And they're receiving communion, which is, if you look at Scripture, if you, like, if you don't believe that, that that is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Jesus Christ present in the Eucharist, and you receive, you're receiving unworthily, according to yeah. what St. Paul says. Yeah. Um, which is which is scary for a lot, a lot of souls, for a lot of people. Yeah. So that, I think they're, I think they're kind of similar and related and, yeah. and we're not looking at the actual study ourselves, but we could, you know, this is our opinion now. Right. So, right. um, this is one of it's the our things. show. Dang it. That's right. Um, and he associated that too with, um, the lack of belief in religious teachings often because religion and science young people really believe those two things are in conflict. Right. And that was the second one there. But yeah. Uh, yeah. When, um, like how can like going back to the Eucharist, how can this be the body and blood yeah. of Jesus? It's, it's a piece of bread. And to me, it looks like a piece of bread. It tastes like a piece of bread. And young people, when faced with those two realities, science or religion or faith and actual observation, right. they're going to think science is better. Well, they, they think they're opposed to each other yeah. when they're not. Yeah. There, you know, science and religion, um, can't think of the word. What's the word? They coincide together. They complement each other. Compliment. Yeah. yeah. Good. So, and, and if you, when you watch the video too, Bishop Barron even gives specific, um, comments from young people who were interviewed right. as part of the study to hear what they have to say. And I thought that was very interesting as well to actually hear it from young people and working in a college campus too. Like you can totally see why these things um, make a lot of sense to young people. I mean, science answers a lot of questions it does. and Bishop Barron says, you know, from us as a passing on this faith, we're not allowing young people to ask these questions and we're not qualified or smart enough or even educated enough to answer them properly See, for them. Yes. And I think that to Paul's personal opinion, that goes back to the, 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 catech the catechetical gap is yeah. that, like it was always the, you know, you're going, you're going to church, you're going to Sunday school. Don't, don't ask any questions. You're going, and now you're, the questions are being asked and we don't know that, you know, some people don't know the answers. Yeah. And yeah. Good point. Yeah. So the next thing that he talked about too, another reason why young people are leaving the church is I thought this one was very interesting and, and a little bit confusing to me, but I went back and listened and he says that religion in the eyes of these young people, seems to be associated with violence. Right. So explain that a little bit. Well, he was talking about the fact that this generation of form formative event in their lives was 9-11. Hmm. And 9-11 was an act of religious 
violence. Right. So he said that often people see that in religious matters, the only way to deal with uh, differing opinions is violence. So if you look back in the Old Testament, you've got God that is allowing the Israelites to wipe out whole groups of people, women, infant, and children included. Well, and then you look modern day at the the situation in Israel between the Jews mm-hmm. and the Palestinians. I mean, violence. Yep. yep. And so this one is probably the one that I could see not quite as clearly, maybe, but this was one of the things that was noted in the study. And then the last one, this one I found fascinating, and we've kind of talked about this quite a bit, but... He says that for young people, the claims of religion conflict with their current culture of self-invention. And I I thought that was fascinating because in this day and age, that freedom to be who you think you should be and who you feel like you are rather than who God made you to be, that is a huge movement right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, we're talking about transgenderism and gender identity and those things. And that one I can see very clearly uh, how young people, and if you feel like your religion constricts you and you want to be who you think you are, religion is definitely, can be a confusing venture. Right. And and it's interesting, um, uh, you know, I mentioned this before, Josh and I are um, family honor presenters, even though we haven't presented in in several years, and it's chastity education uh, based off of theology of the body. Well, we were just in a um, a telecon with them the other night, uh, talking about upcoming changes to the program and and you know what you know things that they're looking forward to this year. And one of the big topics that has provided some changes already, and I think is going to provide more changes, is that they are incorporating more gender identity disorder topics into the um, the the topics that we we teach the parents and the kids. Um, what I find interesting is that they're using the same material. It's the same theology of the body. They're just tweaking it to discuss this new topic or yeah. this newer topic. Because truth doesn't change. Exactly. I know. Exactly. I, it seems so obvious to me, but <laughs> <laughs> it's, I hate to chuckle, but I mean, you know, it's just, uh, the, the, there is that truth out there and you know, a lot of a lot of people want you know just want to close their eyes to it and not. Well, and can we just <laughs> yeah. just for a moment just say a prayer for all of those young people who are so confused and so hurting and so broken that they really don't understand who they are, why they're here, and what their life is about. I because that to me is just I. That is something that really always... And, and Bishop Barron, the final point that we'll make, too, is that prayer is what we can do. Mm-hmm. We can pray. We can pray for these people by name, just like St. Monica prayed for the people in you know, St. Augustine in yeah. her life. Yep. For years, she prayed. Um, God does answer prayers. So um, for all of those people out there, Lord, we ask you to um, keep your care over them and bless them with your grace and help them to know how much you love them. Amen. Amen. Okay. So moving on, those are the reasons why these young people are leaving. Uh, and he goes on to the better part of this, which is what can we do? And I thought all of these were very interesting too. And if you know, did, yeah. if you know, Bishop Barron, like he's, he is a, an evangelist. Yeah. Like when yeah. that, like that's the number one thing. I mean, he's a Bishop, he's a priest, he's so yeah. many things, but he, he is such an evangelist. So I think he kind of knows. So these are interesting. Yeah. And, and again, these were, the, this is empirical data that he pulled out from these studies. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so the first one, I wouldn't have thought of this, but I mean, it makes sense is to get young people involved in works of justice. It's like, okay. So, um, you know, youth group, religious ed, uh, Catholic campus ministry, um, you know, service is a big thing. Service should it, be a big is. thing. And as we are on the uh, almost preparing to begin Catholic uh, North Alabama Catholic Work Camp, which is a three-day intensive work camp experience for young people in our Huntsville area, 
there's Catholic Heart Work Camp, which goes over to, to, in different areas of the country, mm-hmm. um, serving in underprivileged areas. And these events, this thing for young people changes them. Right. It changes them inside, from the inside out. And why do you think that happens, Paul? Why do you think young people are changed by acts of service? Because there is an element of self-giving to it. And once, once you, um, <laughs> we'll talk about this a little bit later. Um, if you order your heart and your soul towards God in a way that is self-giving through acts of justice, acts of service, um, then it, it is very, <clears throat> it's very changing. Uh, it, I mean, it, it transformative, transformative. Thank you. Yeah. Um, um, I love it when I can read your mind. <laughs> I wish you could read mine a little bit more, but, um, it is transformative. And because and you said that so beautifully because it's that self giving and you're ordering your mind and your heart towards God mm-hmm. rather than what we tend to order our lives around today. It's all right. about me. Materialism and myself. Yeah, or yeah. Me or things. Yeah. yeah. How many yeah. things can I accumulate? How much can I have? How much can I um, um, gather? And this really says other is yeah. most important. When when we do um, our planning sessions for Mercy Parish Youth Group, um, one of the things we find interesting is that our kids really respond to the service projects that we do. Yep. We'll do the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for Mana House, or we'll do a day of service. And, and it's like all of a sudden these kids come out of the woodworks because that's what they want to do. Yep. And I've seen this uh, in my 10-year ministry, high school youth ministry career. Um, I will always tell people, like, work camp is one of the best things we, we do. It, I mean, and it's hard. It's, and I mean, <laughs> we're looking at 100-degree temperatures yep. next week yep. when we do work camp. But when you get done with it and you t- look back on what you accomplished, I, it is one of the most meaningful things I've ever done as a youth minister. So um, I, I can totally see that. Okay, what's number two? Number two, uh, lead them with the beautiful. Is that how it? Yeah, uh, I'm paraphrasing Bishop Barron on that one. But he basically said, don't be afraid to point out beauty to young people. And, uh, you know, I kind of thought about our Catholic tradition of beautiful cathedrals. And Mm -hmm. I I had a student just uh, yesterday who sent me a message. And she is now in... She's not in um, college anymore. She graduated from Ole Miss. She works as a um, English language teacher in Spain, oh. and uh, she's a traveler. She loves to travel, so she spent the week in Italy. And she texted me yesterday and said, "Guess what I did today?" And I thought to myself, "You went to mass." And I didn't say that, but I said, <laughs> "What did you do today?" And she said, "I went to mass at St. Peter's Basilica." Oh wow! And then she sent me a video. And there was this beautiful picture of the chair of St. Peter with Peter in the chair. It was a, a, um, a statue and there was light coming in and it was shining just right on. It was, it was really cool. And my response to her was, I hope you, you know, just, I hope being there raises your mind and your heart to God and how much he loves you. Because that's really what beauty does for us. It helps to raise our mind towards yep. God. So I think that is one of the things that often we don't point out to young people um, is beauty. Well, and I, I think, I mean, we, you know, you can point it out in pictures and, and um, again, going back to, um, going back to family honor, we do, when we do our, our, our discussion on fertility, you know, we separate the boys and the girls, but both we have the same set of slides and, very first picture in those set of slides is the Sistine Chapel with, um, you know, God and Adam mm-hmm. and there's Eve behind God that that's the very first, cause that's, you know, it's the beauty mm-hmm. that, that, you know, we're, we're trying to you know, the, the point that we're trying to get across. World. Yep. Right. Um, but I think it's, it's, it can also be kind of difficult in this day and age is like if, if, you know, besides pictures, you know, like there's not, there's not, I mean, there's, you know, you can take them up, you know, hiking in a mountain, you know, in the local area and, and stuff like that. But I mean, like, I mean, I hate to say this, but our churches aren't like, they don't inspire that kind of beauty. Like, that's true. Um, but maybe we need to 
be able to see the beauty in those things. Yeah. So how, how do you find beauty when it's not a, it's not the Chartres Cathedral or St. Peter's Basilica right. or, I mean, cause there is beauty here. Right. Um, I don't know. I tend to love my church because it's my church. Right. Um, and it is not an architectural match masterpiece, but right. I can still find beauty there. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, if you like, um, you know, using Mercy Parish as an example, you know, you got that, that tin building, but if you go inside, you've got the altar and the crucifix and the tabernacle and, um, so, you know, I mean, there is, there is beauty within. Um, so yeah, yeah. I think that's, a, I think that's kind of the trick, yeah. but okay. The l- next thing he talks about too is, um, engaging the intellect of young people. And right now we've just hit the trifecta because we had a whole podcast on these three <laughs> things that Bishop Barron points <laughs> yeah. out in the beginning. Yeah. So, yeah. So the, if you watch the video, when he gets to this last one, he goes, Oh, by the way, here, these are the transcendentals, the, um, justice, the good, the beauty, and then the intellectual, the truth, the good, the good, the good, the beauty and the true. Um, um, and that there's no coincidence there. Right. Those are the things that we need to help young people see in order to have them stay connected to their faith. Um, and on the matter of truth, he says, um, we need to stop dumbing down our faith to young people. Amen. And I thought, huh, that's very interesting. Um, because I, I, maybe as parents, we think they're not ready. Maybe we think the teachings are too hard that they'll push them away. But in my experience of young people, sometimes that discipline is something that they seek and they love, um, and, and we've talked a lot during Lent about praying, fasting, and almsgiving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Young people don't shy away from these things, not all of them. Um, some of them run straight towards them, and Exodus 90 is a perfect example of that. Uh, the the stream asceticism, extreme asceticisms that you did during that you know event um, really help draw you closer to God, mm-hmm. and young people are drawn to that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we need to be very clear with them what is expected and how we, and I've talked about this before, but as parents, we need to hold the bar for them so that they don't think they can just skirt underneath and get away with what they can get away with. Have them rise up and hold that bar up for them. Yes, we go to mass every Sunday because that's what we do. Um, and we don't ever miss. And instead of being wishy-washy, well, we're on vacation, so we're going to take a vacation from religion too. You hold the bar up high and you continue to meet that every single time. Yep. And I thought it was interesting. Um, and I know we probably all run across this, but the example that, uh, Bishop Barron used in his video where he was talking about, you know, he was at his, um, uh, his family for a, a holiday or something. And his niece was in high school and he, um, Somebody said, oh, hey, there's her books over there. You can go take a look at her books. And I forget what she had, like, Latin. Her Latin class was some ancient author. Um, and then, like, you know, poetry was Shakespeare. And, you know, the, the calculus, you know, was, you know, was, you, know, the, you know, the calculus book with all the, you know, the, all the math and stuff inside it. And then the religion, religion class, the book looked like a cartoon book. Yeah. And you're like, wait, what? Why? Yeah. Why are we doing this to our youth? And um, so I, I, I thought think, that I, was interesting too, yeah. kind of a visual. And I think we've all run across that with our kids. <laughs> it's like, like you know, and, um, I know Joshua was teaching um, sixth grade this year, um, religious ed over at Mercy Parish, and um, it's Old Testament, a lot of Old Testament stuff. She's like, we're, you know, I'm not, we're not going to shy away from this. We're gonna, we're gonna hit these kids head on with this Old Testament, and so that they, they understand you know, where Jesus came yeah. from. And yeah. You know, Paul, I didn't know the Bible until I listened to the Bible in your right, podcast. Right. Like, and I knew it, I knew parts of it, but until you look at it as a whole and you try to understand that salvation history, I don't, I don't know. So that, that was very transformative for me listening right. to it like that. And I highly encourage anybody if they feel like they don't have a handle on how the old Testament relates to the new Testament. Listen, I think it's good. Okay, he has two more points. The one, two, three, fourth one that he made was, um, in order to keep our young people engaged, 
make every church missionary in nature. And that means the true nature of our of our faith is to be missionary disciples. Right. Um, and we're all called to it. Every church should be going out. Didn't he say in this part that one of the most important parts of the mass besides the words of consecration were the last, the last mm-hmm. words that are basically go now yeah, go yeah. and do go, the same, yeah. go forth, glorifying your life. Yeah. <laughs> Bishop Barron couldn't say it either and neither can Paul. <laughs> Go forth and praise the Lord, blah, blah, blah. Something, yeah, something, something, something. <laughs> we hear it every week, but yeah, we can't say <laughs> um, So I thought that was a really good point, too, because often we attend Sunday Mass, and that and is that's the it. one day yeah. of the week that we do anything spiritual. And that is not what Christ called us to. So Right. Okay, what was the last one? Oh, the last one is an interesting one, as they all are, but it says that we... Uh, have to be digital missionaries, not just missionaries, but digital yeah. missionaries. And I thought this one was interesting coming from Bishop Barron because he is a digital he, missionary. He is. But he makes the very valid point that if young people will not come to us, then we have to figure out how to go to them. And he said it can be as simple as putting your homily on out so that people can listen to it, um, finding ways to reach out to young people, uh, and, and he is, Bishop Barron is a master at this with the way that he mm-hmm. uh, builds his digital platform around current topics uh, and uses media. He, he's interviewed Jordan Peterson a number of times. Um, he, he looks at what is popular in culture right now, what young people are listening to, and then he helps them interpret that. Yeah. And one, th- um, one thing I love that he does, he puts himself out there. He said um, he does the AMA on Reddit's. Uh, AMAs on Reddit, um, the ask me anything. And he is, um, you know, it's, you know, he, 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 yeah, he's going to run into the, the people that just have a, a disdain for the Catholic church, but that he also, um, he he also has some really good conversations with some people when he does that. Yeah. Meeting people where they're at and helping to under, because we can't, we can't be afraid of the hard questions. Right. And, uh, I think he proves that for us too. So I thought that was I thought that was a very interesting point, and he didn't shy away from it, even though he's probably the biggest digital evangelist out there. Yeah. Well, and and while he was talking about that, I was kind of thinking of our podcast too, because he said when he started out on YouTube, he only had like three hundred views. Yeah. And you know, I don't expect this podcast to to grow. If it does, you know, great. It was a it was a a God thing then. Yeah. But um, but. You know, it's, he said, even, even if you don't have very many views, don't get discouraged. Just keep doing it. Yeah. Well, and the way we started this too, was to help us grow personally. And I I think I definitely have, I I had to give a talk at church the other day after mass, I had to do an announcement, you know, kind of a four minute little thing. Uh I thought this podcast experience has really kind of helped me feel comfortable, find my voice and to be able to share in a certain way. And it was a pretty personal testimony type sharing that I did at mass. So, and, and I felt pretty comfortable about it. Um, I, I think God gave me a great sense of peace about that. Uh, cause I wasn't so sure. I don't think in, in years past I would have been as confident. Right. So, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that, that definitely changes things. Um, and to summarize this too, I will just share what, again, what Bishop Barron stated as the very most important thing that it always comes down to prayer. Um, that we need to pray for the disaffiliated, and not only do we need to pray for them at Mass every week, um, but that we should be praying for them by name, the ones in our families, the ones in our lives, uh, because God can change hearts, and uh, that's what that's what we need to do. And we learned from St. Monica, who prayed for her own son for years before that prayer was answered, um, and in her perseverance, uh, that came about. So... I thought that was a really good point too. And as most monks and priests and brothers will tell you that it, it prayer is the most important thing you can work on in your life. And we probably talk about it a little too much, but that's okay. No, (laughs) no, we don't. (laughs) We talk about it. We talk about it as much as we should. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. All right. right. Excellent. Well, that I, I thank Bishop Barron for that fantastic 
topic opportunity for us to talk about disaffiliated Catholics. And if you are personally dealing with someone in your life that you know has fallen away or considers themselves not to be Catholic anymore, I often think, too, that uh, once you're baptized Catholic, you're always Catholic. And most people don't know that. so You kind of um, have that indelible mark on your you soul. You do, yeah. 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 So you can say you're not Catholic anymore, but you really are, and especially if you got a mom or a daddy praying for you, because uh, chances are good God can bring you back. And now, deep thoughts. Because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. All right, so in today's reflection, um, I've titled this one, Order and Disorder. So we've talked a lot about order and disorder as we've discussed different topics. Um, so the Gospels over the past few weeks, or past few days, have provided an opportunity uh, to reflect on these two opposite concepts. But first, if you will allow me to go into a definition, and I'll start with disorder. According to a quick Google search, there are two definitions of disorder that I believe are appropriate. This first one is not neatly arranged or confused and untidy. The second one is suffering from an illness or condition that disrupts normal physical or mental functions. So for the purposes of this reflection, I'm going to combine these two, uh, but add along with the physical and uh, mental functions, the spiritual functions as well. Um, So to be disordered is to be spiritually confused and untidy to cause a disruption in the normal spiritual function. In other words, sin disorders us from God. I don't want to get too bogged down with the definition, so let's move on to the Gospels. So we're going to start with uh, last Thursday, last Thursday uh, June the 9th. Um, the Gospel was uh, in Mark chapter 5, right after the Beatitudes during the Sermon on the Plain. Um, here Jesus is talking about the old law. Specifically, he brings up, um, do not kill. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He goes on to how we can order our lives towards God's. He says, but I say to you, Whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. But wait, I thought all I had to do was not kill my brother. Can you imagine going before the pearly gates to account for your sins and you hear a voice that says, Hey, tell me about that anger towards so-and-so. What's your answer going to be? Well, at least I didn't kill him. You know, that answer might be good enough, but do you really want to take your chances? God wants our whole hearts. But if we hang on to the, even the smallest sliver of anger, our hearts don't fully belong to him. So next we move on to Mark's gospel from this past week, um, where um, Jesus, Jesus brings up the old eye for an eye passage. Here, he also expands on it to the point where most people misunderstand what he says as docility, where Jesus says, But I say to you, offer no resistance to one who is evil. When someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other one to him as well. If anyone wants to go to law with you over your tunic, hand him your cloak as well. Should anyone press you into service for one mile, go with him for two miles. Give to the one who asks of you, and do not turn your back on one who wants to borrow. Anyone who has had a chance to play judge between two kids who are arguing knows our basic needs for justice. But what Jesus is telling us in this passage is to look past sins and grievances and order our hearts toward generosity and forgiveness. While we are to be generous with love and forgiveness, we must also remember to be prudent and not sacrifice those who have been entrusted to our care. Then, in Tuesday's Gospel, we are directed to order our hearts by loving our enemies and praying for those who persecute us. And then uh, Wednesday's Gospel took a bit of a twist. And this Gospel is what we typically hear on Ash Wednesday. Here, Jesus is instructing us to take what um, he has been teaching about ordering our hearts towards God, and he gives us a formula on how to do that. Almsgiving, praying, praying, and fasting, and in that order. And then he wraps up yesterday's gospel by teaching us how to pray to God our Father. Can you imagine having such wisdom as this? Taking the old law and expanding on it, not to create a new law or abolish the old, but to show everyone what it really means to love and to move from disorder to order in our souls. All right, Betsy, so what song do you have for us this week? Okay, today I have a song by a lovely artist. Her name is Sarah Kroger. She's kind of local. She's from the Atlanta area. 
Um, she has done um, a lot of music at Steubenville conferences and at NCYC. And this is a song called Belovedness. And I thought it was very cool because I think so often we forget how much God loves us. And I've said that numerous times on this show, but I really think that we expect a lot from the world. We expect the world to show us how much we are loved and yet that the world always falls short, but God never does. So this song is called Belovedness and these are the words, this is I think the second verse. She says, you've owned the mess you see in the mirror. You've owned the lies that you're just not enough. You've been so blinded by all you're comparing. It's time to own your belovedness. He says, you're mine. I smiled when I made you. I find you beautiful in every way. My love for you is fierce and unending. I'll come to find you whatever it takes, my beloved. You are completely loved and fully known, beloved. Believe he died to make your heart his home. I'll come to find you whatever it takes, my beloved. Since we are still in June in the month of the uh, Sacred Heart of Jesus, uh, let's close with another prayer to the Sacred Heart. In the name of the Father, and and the the Son, Son, and the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. O Sacred Heart of Jesus, for whom it is impossible not to have compassion on the afflicted, have pity on us miserable sinners, and grant us the grace which we ask of you, through the sorrowful and immaculate heart of Mary, your tender mother and ours. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, as we close out today, we look forward to next week where we'll be coming to you directly from work camp with the high school students from various parishes around our area. Paul and I will be working and sweating for the Lord, uh, and we can't wait to see you then. Well, that'll wrap it up for today. Thanks for listening to this episode of Catholic Family Matters. Remember to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast listener, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Join us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at CathFamMatters, which is at C-A-T-H-F-A-M-M-A-T-T-E-R-S. Check out our website at www.CatholicFamilyMatters.com. And you can always send us an email at feedback at CatholicFamilyMatters.com. We are your hosts, Paul Kosinski. And Betsy Lashley. Or just another sexy bald guy. And a girl without a filter. Till Til next, next time. time. See you, Paul. See ya.